I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. Most people think my first name is Morris, but it's not. It's Dewey. Mr. Morris was the name of the man I bought the company from back when I was young. I'd like to take a few moments to say how proud we are to be Panther sponsors. When I told the team at Morris Jenkins, you would have thought I was sending them on a free trip to Hawaii. We're here for the Panthers, and we're here for you too, whenever you need us. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryan. That's right. It's that time of the week. Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. And Mr. Jenkins told me the Panthers make him proud and he's honored to support the team. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, you call Morris Jenkins or visit MorrisJenkins.com. So smooth, MilesSimmons.com. There at the end. Uh, like I always say, when Mr. Jenkins tells me something, I've got to tell the people. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, everything has been a little crazy so far this week. We got a, you know, we had the Sunday game against New Orleans. A little bit of a heartbreaker there for the Panthers. Yeah, you know, it's it's a shame that it came down to a 65 yard field goal at the end because, as Joey Sly put it, he thought he had it. And when you think you have it and it's that long and it's a record, it's a little bit disappointing when it comes up a little bit short. But I think as everybody talked about in the aftermath of that game, the sack on third down really was the problem because when you take an eight-yard loss and then you see the length that Joey Sly was able to get on that kick, it's like, oh, man, that thing was really, really close. And if you don't take that sack and you don't lose so many yards, you probably tie that game up there at the end. I mean, and as as others said, you need to get some stops yes. before that. You know, I think it, that's it, the, it, yeah. It shouldn't have had to Holy come down moly. to that when your offense is playing that well throughout the course of the game and – you know the defense allows twelve third down conversions. You, twelve you, of fourteen. Twelve well, of fourteen. We gotta we gotta make sure we put it like that because that's the way you gotta you gotta put it like that and then you gotta say the percentage eighty six percent or eighty seven or eighty five point seven. Oh my gosh, you can't say eighty six. <laughs> it's eighty seven. It's eighty five point six. You gotta say the percentage and then you just named four percentages. <laughs> 
I know. I that was a bad moment of broadcasting. I mean, none of those percentages me. were good. So no, no, they're not. Anytime it's like above eighty percent, I mean, above fifty percent is unideal. But when you get to that much, it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, it was just a really bad, 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 no good game. The terrible, horrible, no good, really bad day for the defense on third down. Let's talk about that since we're here already. I, we got to get to Christian McCaffrey stuff. Of course, that's what everyone wants to know about. But let's put this uh, loss against New Orleans to bed. How do you come back from from those third down numbers, which will I believe were historically bad? Yeah, worst worst in a game. How do you focus on that this week on a short week and show improvement uh, for this Thursday game against Atlanta? Well, I think the first thing you have to do, and all defensive players say this, is you have to be better on first and second down. You mm-hmm. can't allow Atlanta to get into these third and short opportunities. Because, look, Todd Gurley is hes not performing at the same level that he did in 2017 and 2018 when first he was Offensive Player of the Year and then the next year he led the league in touchdowns. But he has still shown that when he's, gotten the, when he's given the opportunity, he can get you a few yards, right? Like, in that game that the the Panthers played against the Falcons a few weeks ago, it's not like Todd Gurley was a slouch. He had yeah. over 100 yards for the first time since the playoff game in the 2018 season. So 121. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's definitely not a slouch. No. No, and he's only had 110 yards in the two games since. So, again, mm. this is not— uh, and, and Julio Jones will be playing in this game. Exactly. So when you give Atlanta options, and they've got a veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan who knows how to read things and pick apart zone coverage, then you're going to put yourself in a bad position. So it's about making sure that you are stout on first and second down. But even so, when you get into these third and medium situations, sometimes you just got to make a play. And I think that's something that we haven't seen the Panthers do enough. Yeah, it, it really, you know, as you said, it's about – Making a, a a run up the middle be one yard and not five, you know I I think it looks like there's contact that's happening. People are meeting him at the line, mm-hmm. and then it was like, and then Camara or you know Latavius Murray gets another one, two, three, four yards, pulling people, falling forward, breaking you know the first shoulder tackle. You have to get guys down at first contact when you know what's coming. You know they're gonna run at you. They're going to do a zone read. They're going to go up the middle, and you've got to stop people because there's a big difference between second and nine and second and five. There really is. And then, of course, there's a huge difference between third and one, third and one, and third and seven. But, you know, at the same time, this is a defense that gave up, what, that huge third and 14 to Camara on a screen pass? Yeah. Like, my goodness. I mean, they've they've got to be able to make tackles in the open field. And because of the way that, you know, they're kind of scheming things a lot – it's about coming up to a play and making tackles moving forward. You know, they're putting things in front of them. They've got to make plays if they're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, and it's a, a lot to to focus on and fix in this short week. And then you look at, you know, you get a, you get a little bit of a break after this Thursday game um, against the Falcons, but then you got to deal with that Chiefs offense. So... <laughs> One game at a time, yeah. Chris, and we can't look too far ahead. No, I'm yeah. just saying that's nah, a, this is an issue, right. as you said, historic, uh, historically um, bad third-down defense. Uh, this is an issue that's that's got to get fixed. I, I mean, think about this. It was just the second time in Panthers history that they didn't force a punt. Yeah, New, Orleans, New Orleans never punted. Did you say that's gross? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's gross. It is. They didn't punt. It's, it's, you know, it's not it's not the kind of thing that you want to hear. I mean, look, no. right now the Panthers are 31st in third down defense, which is hard to believe that a team is worse. Yeah, who's and, who's worse? The Tennessee Titans. Uh. 
And they're oh. giving up, I think, around 60%, if not quite right at 60% the last time I looked. So that's it's, it's a little bit weird because the Titans have been so good. Um, and they didn't have the best game against the Steelers, but then they all also almost tied that thing up at the end there um, last week. But right now the Panthers are giving up 56.3% of third downs. So that's got to come down. It's just, frankly, it's got to come down. We'll see if uh, if they can make that happen on Thursday night against the Falcons under the lights. Um, on the offensive side, of course, the thing that everyone is talking about, um, Panthers fans, fantasy owners, you name it, is that Christian McCaffrey was designated to return on Tuesday. Now, what that means, that does not necessarily mean that he's going to be playing in this game, but it is significant in his return uh, to getting back on the field. Yeah, it is, because right now, as you get designated to return, that means it starts your 21-day practice window. And at the end of that 21 days, you have to uh, you have to choose between whether a player is activated or then goes, remains on IR for the rest of the season. Now, it doesn't necessarily take 21 days, to be clear, for somebody to be activated once they are designated to return. So, basically, at any point over the next 21 days... And now 20 days since that started yesterday, uh, Christian McCaffrey can be activated to the 53-man roster. Now, will that happen this week? I don't know, especially because at this point he's he's been on the field for practice. We don't necessarily know how much he's done for practice. And I think if you're talking about a player of his caliber, does he want to be on the field? I'm sure he does. But at the same time, you probably want him to get a full week of practice in Mm -hmm. before you get him back there on the field. So it will be certainly interesting to see over the next 24, you know, 26, 28-ish hours, however long it is, before kickoff tomorrow night, um, whether or not the Panthers decide to activate him. But at this point, I'm I'm not sure that that's something that's going to happen. And just so I'm clear on this, um, and I had to ask you this every day, but just so we put it out there for everyone who's listening, he can be activated Whenever? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. At, like at right before point. the game. Uh, he, I, gosh, and I really should probably know the rules. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put no. you on the spot. It's just it's, all, no, it's everything is so different this year. And I just am curious of like, okay, when, if you're a Panthers fan or, you know, a fantasy owner or whatever, when do you say like, okay, he's definitely not playing? Because to me, the signs say that as of right now, it doesn't look like he's going to play for all of the reasons that you just said, Miles. Right. Um, I mean, Miles, would he have to be, would that have to be a transaction submitted by 5 p.m. Thursday to go from a reserve list to an active roster? Probably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wouldn't it, I mean, it would have to come out on the transactions usually, list. Yeah, usually it would be, it would usually be the day before a game. Like, usually that would happen on a Saturday at the latest. Right. Now, it's Thursday night football, so I'm not sure if that means it could happen on earlier on Thursday or not it might be I think it can happen earlier on a Thursday mm-hmm. um so but yeah that's a good point though regardless of what the timeline is with Thursday there is another step that has to happen so that you know fans right I think it's important I think a lot of people are seeing him back at practice and say like all right it's happening um but it's just good to know that there's another step to look for if uh if you want to know if he's going to play or not. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine you're going to know before 7.45 tomorrow night. It's not going to be like, oh yeah, you know, he, oh, is he coming out? Oh, there he is. Look, <laughs> there he is. Well, you got to have, I mean, it's 90 minutes before sure. the game, too, right, right, for right. inactive. So uh, th- we will probably know. If he's going to play, we're going to know Thursday, probably morning, afternoon, if he's going to be activated to the 53-man roster. We will definitely know 
when the game kicks off if he will be playing or not. Yes. Make sure to follow <laughs> Miles Simmons on Twitter, Panthers.com, for all your latest updates. Oh, I like that. And, you know, while we're at it, um, it's the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. Well, and Mr. Jenkins told me, Kristen, that he loves football and he looks forward to this show all week. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, you call Morris Jenkins or visit MorrisJenkins.com. Whenever Christian McCaffrey comes back, the question has been, how will that play with Mike Davis? And Matt Rule got asked that question the other day, and he said, yeah, I, th- I think we use them both. He said Mike has proven that that he deserves to to have a place in this offense, um, and and that's what it'll be. Now, we don't know how that will take shape, but I've, I've heard that conversation happen a lot, and I just think, what a great problem for Joe Brady to have, <laughs> in my opinion. But I've heard people say, like, oh, my gosh, like, how is this going to work? I think they're going to figure it out. Yeah, it's interesting because different offensive coordinators and different offensive minds have different philosophies on the way they like to use personnel groupings. And from what I've noticed here, Joe Brady likes to be multiple. And I think when you have the skill sets of the guys that they have, you can use more than one running back because it... uh, Sometimes when coaches talk about it, it's like, okay, who do you take off the field? The Rams are a good example of this because they, in the past they've had three really good wide receivers and they've used what's called 11 personnel with three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end. Okay, so that's like what they do. And now they've used a little bit more two tight end sets, but when you do that, it's like, okay, who do you take off the field? And so here I think it's a little bit different in that they rotate through guys mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. You know, so it's not just been, okay, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel are on the field every play. Ian Thomas is going to be on the field, you know, whatever. It, they've rotated through their guys. And so they were even doing that a little bit with Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis would get a series here and there in those first couple of games. And there were a couple of times, I believe, where Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey were on the field at the same time. And the great thing about McCaffrey is you don't just have to put him in the backfield. You know, you can split him out wide and use him in the slot. You can do a lot of different things. So that, I think, is going to be the the fun uh, way of seeing how Joe Brady puts together the puzzle because there are a lot of possibilities because he's got a lot of different weapons that have a lot of different skill sets. I, do, I think it's going to be more about touches than about snaps. Because, Miles, while you're right, Mike Davis did come in a little bit in those first four games. McCaffrey only missed four snaps right. before mm-hmm. he was hurt. Four snaps in two games. Or, I guess, a game in three quarters. So, it's one of those things everyone, they talked about it ad nauseum last year before you guys got here. It's it's great to talk about, but until you're out there, like, I'll believe Christian McCaffrey comes off the field when I see it. You know? Because right. it just it doesn't happen. He gets out there, and when he's healthy... It's really, really hard to take him off the field for any given amount of time. Well, and that's that's what I mean by saying that he, if you want to put Mike Davis on the field with Christian McCaffrey, then mm-hmm. he's got the McCaffrey's got the versatile skill set to go out wide, and maybe you know you are uh, limiting the amount of hits that he takes mm-hmm. because he then goes outside and he's not just running between the tackles and then you know getting a little bit dinged up. So that's that's Curtis Samuel too. He's mm-hmm. got the, the yeah. versatile skill set to go in the backfield, but you also see what he can do on third downs when he is split out wide or he's in the slot and he just knows how to uncover and Teddy Bridgewater knows how to find him. So that's what I mean that it, it's the good problem to have. You don't necessarily have to take Christian McCaffrey off the field yeah. to put somebody else on it and then see what kind of skill sets and what kind of matchups you can get. And and one thing I, I just really 
like about the Mike Davis, Christian McCaffrey dynamic is they are each other's biggest fan, it feels like to me. You know, Mike Davis tweeted the other day, not going to lie, it, it's great to have C-Mac back out here in practice. Yeah. Um, and it's just that kind of camaraderie between the two of them um, that I really like. You know, game plan aside, when Christian McCaffrey comes back, I I know that no one wants him back out there more than Mike Davis on that team. And genuinely, like it, they really do support each other and all they do. They're they're good friends. They joke with each other. I was talking to Mike not too long ago, and we're talking about who's the best at all the games that they kind of have in the locker room and stuff. And he was like, "Man, Christian's so good at ping pong." There's, he was like, "There's nothing that he's bad at," and he's texting him about it. And you know, I just I really like their relationship, and I'm excited to hopefully see some some creative things when they're both healthy. Yeah, yeah. It's fun when guys support each other like that. I mean, you see things like that. You see Curtis Samuel talking about uh, in his little press conference yesterday how his fa- somebody asked him about what's your favorite play that you've had so far this year. And he's like, well, you know, I like making my teammates smile. So I'd say it was on uh, DJ Moore's really long touchdown in Atlanta. I got a couple blocks downfield for him and he got in the end zone and scored. Well, yeah, that's nice to hear, you know, nice, nice little teammate support. Absolutely. All right, uh, Will, I should have asked you this last week, um, but I, I didn't. But, okay, we got Atlanta coming up um, on Thursday, and then the Panthers were just in New Orleans. Now, when the Panthers went down to Atlanta, you went on a, um, I, I would call it a rant, yeah. about how much yeah. you dislike loud. Atlanta. Miles and I were both going down, yeah. and you said that essentially there was no way that you would ever be caught dead in Atlanta. Is, is how I, <laughs> If I'm paraphrasing, I think that that's... Really what it felt like. Um, I, I didn't ask you, though, like, how do you feel about New Orleans? Tampa? No, New Orleans is fun. It's New Orleans. I've, I've had some great times in New Orleans. Who hasn't? I mean, exactly. Well, that's what I would say about Atlanta, though, <laughs> you know? I've had some bad times in Atlanta. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Anyway, but it, as much as there are so many reasons in, you know, I think, you know, Sean Payton can be such a, like, can play that heel in like the wrestling sort of way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And but I mean, watching him and watching the things he said about Teddy Bridgewater, you know, it watching those relationships of like Drew Brees and those guys before and after the game, like it's really hard to feel the same. I mean, and obviously this is a particular small circumstance. This isn't a generational rivalry feeling, but it it just it didn't feel, I think, particularly for this game, you felt a lot of camaraderie with them because of those relationships. Mm. And in a larger sense, the Superdome, while there's been some tough losses, you know, the playoff loss in 17 that came down, obviously this one, it, it just hasn't felt like the house of horrors that Atlanta has felt like. And I also think, I, I don't know how fans feel about this. I like seeing that camaraderie that you mentioned Um before and after the game with Drew Brees and, and Teddy and Joe Brady and Sean Payton. I mean, you, they were they were mixing it up. Everyone was smiling. It was great to see um, each other. I liked when Teddy when <laughs> ran out of bounds yeah. and went over to the yeah, bench. Was it was, you could tell he was just tired. He was like, I'm going to sit down for a second and talk to Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. Um, because I also feel like, especially on the offensive side, it felt like, all right, like these are two kind of worthy opponents that know each other well. You're going to show what you have, mm-hmm. you know, where you're going to show what you've been holding on to, and then we're going to show what we've got. And I thought it, it actually made it uh, better. Yeah. Now, I know some fans don't like that kind of um, we're going to chat right before the game and smile, and then we're going to hug afterwards. And But I thought it, it kind of felt like um, with those offensive minds, 
And those quarterbacks kind of like, all right, like, you know, we're the opponent here. Let's see what you got, and, and I'll show you what, you know, what I've been holding on to specifically for this matchup. Yeah, it's funny. I Fans sometimes, I think, uh, take those kinds of deals the wrong way. Like you were talking about, like, oh, I don't want to see them talking before the game. Well, that's, I mean, that's, and, it's, you're allowed to feel that way. Uh, yeah, and I get it. I, I, there's a part of me that gets it, even though I just use my, I'm making fun of fans' voice. Um, <laughs> however, I think that at the same time, you gotta realize, like, sometimes these guys are professionals, right? Like, just because you say hello to somebody before the game doesn't mean that you're not gonna go out and try to kick their butt, you know? Like, that's the way, that's exactly. the way these things work. So, I don't know. I, I, I too, I like seeing the camaraderie. I thought the Teddy going to the uh, the bench area uh, of New Orleans. That was kind of fun. You know, Teddy and uh, Sean Payton, they kind of got into it a little bit on the sideline being like, hey, your team just got a penalty. And it's like, well, well your team got a penalty too. So that kind of stuff, that, that's fun. It shows you know, that these guys are competitors, but they're also human beings. And sometimes I think we might forget that they are human beings. As well. <laughs> it's easy to forget that sometimes. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with Will's Stat of the Week. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. Most people think my first name is Morris, but it's not. It's Dewey. Mr. Morris was the name of the man I bought the company from back when I was young. I'd like to take a few moments to say how proud we are to be Panther sponsors. When I told the team at Morris Jenkins, you would have thought I was sending them on a free trip to Hawaii. We're here for the Panthers, and we're here for you too, whenever you need us. It's that time of the podcast. Will, what's your stat of the week? 60% of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. So we were just talking about this rivalry, this series with Atlanta. Coming up tomorrow, Thursday night, is a chance for the Panthers, knock on wood, to potentially sweep the season series with the Falcons by winning at home and on the road. Oh, now you've done it. I've done it. I knocked on. I don't know about you guys. I knocked on all the wood in this little booth over here. I knocked on it. Oh my god! All right, let's that hear it. Ha- that hasn't happened since 2013 mm. for the Panthers, and it's only happened three times in 26 seasons. You could announce that stat afterwards if uh, it happens. No, no, no. Because here's the thing. Because like I, I'm tired of like all these great cool things that Will comes up with, but no, we can't talk about them because sports. Wait, when has this ever happened before? It oh, hasn't. It's, ha- it's happened before, not on this podcast, but it's happened. Before. <laughs> you just made it sound like my like Miles no, are like, Will, please keep these amazing no, stats to yourself. Not your fault. Don't bring your personal stuff into this. Yeah, exactly. This is the man. this is the happy half. Hour. I'm pretty sure I bring my personal stuff into this every week. That's the whole point. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, I'm sure. just teasing you. That is that is a great stat. But you know, it's I think it shows a you know how much we really want to beat Atlanta, but b just like over the course of seasons, Carolina had the best season they ever had, and they couldn't sweep Atlanta. Yeah, they went fifteen and one. That one was That's Atlanta. Right. That's right. You how know, many, like ugh. how many times have the Falcons swept? I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Um, more than three. <laughs> I'll, I'd have to take a look, but it's but I'll vamp it's, for a it's not it's not an astronomical number. I mean, they have split mm-hmm. more, way more than either one has swept. Sure, right. But that's, yeah, and I think that's with most division rivals. It's it's hard for one team to dominate yep. um, another team in, in a division just because you see each other so much. So you understand what it is that you're going to get. You know, even the Rams, when uh, they were really bad, you know, going on those years in like 12, 13, 14, 15, they weren't really, really bad, but you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. they would. 
they were not good, but they would take on Seattle very, very well. Mm-hmm. Seattle was, at that time, one of the best teams in the league, but the Rams would give them everything that they could handle every time because you just know the teams in your division really, really well. So, I mean, that's that's something that always happens, for, for unless compa- you're the Browns. <laughs> for comparison's sake, the Panthers— I'm from Cleveland, I can say that. Yeah, they, they don't sweep anybody. Um, the, uh, the series with the Saints, they've swept the Saints six times. And they swept the Bucks nine times. Mm. Okay, so yeah, it, it's so it's Atlanta. It's Atlanta. Atlanta, why, Atlanta, Atlanta. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Will does not like the city. Does not like I don't the like, city I don't where the Falcons, like the Falcons are from. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, the Panthers' third down defense. Uh, so this is something that that fans are going to want to listen to. If the Panthers get a third down stop in the third quarter during a home game, so this is in play on Thursday night. One lucky fan will win a smart home smoke and carbon monoxide detector through the Morris Jenkins Protect and Check sweepstakes. The Panthers get a fourth down stop in the fourth quarter. That same fan will also be going home with a $1,500 gift card. So be sure to check out contests.panthers.com for more details on how you can enter. So even more pressure on the Panthers to get some of those stops. Good luck. Negativity over here. Uh, I don't think that was negative. I don't think that was negative at all. I just said good luck. Good luck. Well, it's a a great contest. Um, We appreciate Morris Jenkins for doing it. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on that. So let's talk about a short week. We are in the midst of it right now. This is is my first short week. Um, What typically, for, for anyone who's wondering, what typically gets left on the cutting room floor when you have to go from a Sunday to a Thursday night game in terms of of the players' uh, recovery and preparation. I was going to say Miles' articles. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have to compile six days of articles into, like, two. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, I, I think that one of the biggest things is just the recovery aspect, right? It, when you start to recover as a player – it's a process, and a lot of times guys say, you know, my body starts to feel right Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. and that's when they have to start playing this week. So it's it really puts a lot of stress on can you get the right amount of sleep? Can you make sure you're getting a, a massage, maybe an extra massage? Um, can, what are you doing to make sure that your body is as recovered as it possibly can be? How does that affect practice? Or you, you know, you're usually doing things a lot lighter than you normally would. Because, again, your body is not recovered. Usually this is the first day of practice, yeah. right? They've already had two days of practice this week because, again, they're playing tomorrow night. So it just it truncates everything, and it makes everything a little bit more difficult. I, I think it it's like that. It pushes on the things that you're maybe not good at, and it stresses the things that you are good at. Because I think that there's there's just not enough time to kind of really completely reset so you're kind of still going. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, the, the Panthers have played Thursday night games against, you know, AFC teams. You know, the uh, they played it against, uh, maybe it's been a while since an AFC team. But they haven't necessarily played them always against divisional teams every year. You know, they played them against the Eagles a couple years ago. It's different when you literally just played this team two weeks ago. Right. And, you know, you're not doing the full reset of a full new scouting report over the course of them, I mean, you're trying to cram it in there, but at the same time, it's like, hey, remember what worked. Mm-hmm. Remember what you just did. This is how they might try to tweak what they're doing against us, and this is how we're going to respond. But you really don't have a ton of time to completely 
do something completely new in that in that aspect. And, and the wild thing too in this particular case is that you're doing this against a team that just fired its head coach yeah. right after yeah. you played them. So now with Ryan Morris, it's not like they're doing things that are all that differently, and you really can't because you can't install things again once you're in the middle of the regular season. But there are a little bit of couple a couple tweaks here and there that you might notice. Um, so that's something that. Again, you know this team well enough because they're in the division, because you've seen them for years, that you probably will be able to figure that out. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, all right, you know, they might approach a couple of different things. They might approach a couple of different situations differently. So you have to anticipate that and be ready for it. And Kristen, you mentioned this earlier, but you think back over the last month or so against the Arizona Cardinals, you had Hopkins that was hurt, banged Mm -hmm. up, eventually played, but probably wasn't 100%. Then you have the Falcons, Julio doesn't play. And then you have the Saints. Yeah, Both Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders don't play. And now it's like, all right, Julio's back. Calvin Ridley's out there. You know, there's some stud wide receivers going against you. And you've kind of gotten a little bit lucky on that front the last month or so. Yeah, it's something that that I thought about, you know, knowing that Julio Jones will play in this game. And – no Russell Douglas um, from yeah. from at least at this point from what we understand. Um, but Dante Jackson didn't play in that Atlanta game. I think he played maybe one, one snap. Yeah, yeah, one snap. Um, and then the the toe flared up. So you know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with that. Um, so I have an answer to your question from earlier, and this actually blew my mind. So Atlanta has swept us ten question. times. And three times it was in back-to-back seasons, so they went four straight, three separate times. Oh wow! What um, when were the three straight? Um, I didn't look up the years, but the most recent time was uh, I think 2018 and 2019. So the oh, last yeah. two seasons. Yeah. Well, at least that streak's been broken. <laughs> we'll see if uh, we'll see if the Panthers can complete the sweep and uh, make Will's stats valid um, on Thursday night. We will. All right. We're going to end it with our weird question of the week, as always. Weird question of the week. You're weird. You're a weird guy. No context given for this one. Usually we'll say, hey, this happened this week. Like last week it was, you know, Robbie talked about going to McDonald's. So it's just, this is just the question. Favorite ride at an amusement park? Will. Um, so I'm going to get even more specific than just a generic one. Like my favorite ride is the Fury 325, the Giga Coaster at Carowinds. Well, I don't even know what the words you just said were. Yeah. For, for sounds our, like a computer part. All my Charlotte fam. Yeah. It's, it's the Giga Coaster, which was open maybe four or five years ago. What is a Giga Coaster? <laughs> it's faster <laughs> I'm, I'm than being all the other coasters. But I don't why, know. But why is it called Giga? Because the gigabytes are better than megabytes. I don't know. <laughs> It's better than a megabyte coaster. <laughs> That's true. Or a kilobyte coaster from the nineties. Anyway, so the the giga awesome. the giga coaster is what they call it. You can literally see our office from the top of it. That's awesome. You get is that the one that you can see um, on the highway, like yeah. when you're taking the exit. Yeah, okay. it's the huge straight drop one. Nice. And it's the way it's like, and when you go on the other coasters at Carowinds, you can tell how much better technology is. Like that one, you ride and it's so much faster and it's a bigger drop, and yet you feel fine after. It's just such a rush. And then the other ones, you know, you feel awful because the technology just your your head's shaking around. How, anyway, I can't do I can't do the spinny things. I only do coasters. How fast does it go? Uh, looking it up. Hmm. 
All right. What about uh, what about you, Miles? Favorite uh, ride? I have no favorite rides. I I do not do uh, rides. I don't do amusement parks. Uh, you know why? Because I'm definitely afraid of roller coasters. And you hate fun. Did you f- did you have a bad experience, or have you ever been on a roller the coaster? The last time I was on a roller coaster was in the summer of 20, uh, 2013, and I cried. Whoa. Yep, I cried. There, there were Where? tears in my eyes. During, before, after? Uh, during slash after. I got And you. I really didn't want to do it. So uh, there, I had a friend, and we were at this event for our job. And they took us to the Santa Cruz Boardwalk out in California, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, we got to go on the roller coaster. we got to go on the roller coaster. I was like, dude, I really don't want to do that. And, like, I was his only friend there, so I was like, eventually I relented, and I shouldn't have done it. I just, it was it was very scary, and I cried. Yeah. So I don't go on, from then on, I just, I don't go on roller coasters, man. I, I, if I ever have kids or whatever, you know, I, I hope that. Uh, their mother is a roller coaster person because I will not step foot on a roller coaster. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. Matt? So I don't know the name of it, but when I went on a field trip when I was a kid, there was a uh, we went to Bush Gardens in Virginia, and there was a ride that dropped 250 feet straight down roller coaster. Uh-huh. I don't remember the name of it, like Will does. I don't know if it was a Giga or a Mega or whatever, <laughs> but it was pretty fun. Terabyte coaster. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I like the ones that do the spinny stuff. I like the Incredible Hulk. No. Um, uh-uh. down I, I like all that stuff. I don't love, there are two kinds that I don't love. I, I like most roller coasters. I don't love a straight drop ride, so I can I can deal with it on a, a roller coaster, but like a drop zone, a Tower of Terror, right. yep. I'm I'm out. Yep. I it feels awful to me. Yep. Um, How and do you handle the spinny rides? I I get sick every time. Oh, I, I, mean, I don't want to go around and around in a teacup, <laughs> but I I don't mind like a loop de loop, and uh, doesn't bother me. Mm-mm. Makes me. I sick. need to be moving <laughs> yeah. like forward. I need to have like open air like flowing through. Anyway, I looked it up. It's 95 miles an hour in 325-foot drop. Nice. Yikes. That sounds fun. Yeah. The, so the Top Thrill Dragster in, at Cedar Point, now I know that one is faster because it goes like 125, 130 miles an hour when it starts shooting you up. So I, I don't love roller coasters, but I do know that about uh, my Ohio uh, Cedar Point attraction, which is one of the best uh, what do we call those theme parks uh-huh. in the world? Yeah, yeah that's jeez. <laughs> I'm running out of steam, guys. That and uh, so I just want to make the other point of uh, another roller coaster that I will not get on. I would rather get on a a, a pure drop than you know the, the only ones that really kind of freak me out are the ones that get set up in a day at like a county fair. Oh, you know where yeah. you're like, oh man. Oh yeah, no. It's, Those it's, are that's like the one roller coaster I will I'll not get on. on. I'm sure they're fine, but I, if I if I drive past the parking lot and it's not there, and then the next day it's there, I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, that. like the like the chair swings. Yeah. You know where they. Like, I just the picture myself just, and you're just flying off, swinging around. Actually, there is like nothing holding you in. <laughs> like, tiny little metal bar. Oh my god. The foldable. Oh yeah, those that you pack up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure. I mean, regulations and all that, but that's the one I'd I'd rather get on the Giga Coaster five but, times than than the one that comes in a. A bag and you pop up and. and <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that's gonna do it for us on this week's Happy Half Hour podcast. Uh, we'll see you next week.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 